Welcome to the Bitcoin Breakout, a production of the Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Spierko. Remember, you can always find all our episodes at thebitcoinbreakout.com. You can also find all episodes of the Survival Podcast at tspc.co. If you want full personal sovereignty, Bitcoin is only one step. On the Survival Podcast, we discuss all aspects of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and personal liberty. Now strap in and get ready for another episode of the Bitcoin Breakout, where we discuss how Bitcoin and the Lightning Network will literally change everything. Fix the money, fix the world. And we are live, and it is uh, my pleasure to introduce our special guest today, Adam Curry, a.k.a. the Podfather. Uh, he's been around about as long as anybody in podcasting. He's actually a big part of the reason podcasting is what it is today, and uh, it's a great, great thing to have you on today, Adam. Thank you for agreeing to do this. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, most of my audience probably knows who you are, but just in case there's a few that don't, can you kind of go back to the, the beginning when you started podcasting and what made you choose that uh, form of media? Well, the uh, the history goes back actually to 2000, so that predates uh, podcasting, which uh, Dave Weiner and I, uh, I guess you would say invented, um, but sometimes I think discovered is a better term. That was more 2004. Uh, in 2000, I was living in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. I just moved back. I had a, took a company public in uh, in the states on Nasdaq and had a whole whole interesting career. Was kind of going to retire, uh, which is a dumb idea. Um, and in the Netherlands, which is a really densely cabled country, they had cable modems, which uh, provided this tremendous benefit of not having to dial in and tying up your phone line. So you had always on internet. By no means had it, did it have any speed. It was still crap. And, you know, the uh, coming kind of out of a multimedia world, a television world and radio world, I was disappointed with the experience of clicking something, waiting, and I'm not kidding, five or ten minutes to download uh, a video. I was looking more at video than audio. You know, then you, so after that happens, you had to click it and it would open up a player and just, and you know, that was like a, a minute video. It was, it was not an experience. <laughs> and, um, I divide, I wrote a blog post called The Last Yard. And the idea was if we, you know, since your computer is on all the time anyway now, why can't you have it, uh, look for something that it knows you'll want? So a video or a MP3 file or what? I didn't really know what that meant, but I was thinking more video at the time. And just have your computer download that in the background and then not tell you that it's doing that until it actually has it on the drive and says, hey, there's something new. Then you would click on it, it would play immediately, and that would be a trick to shift time. Um, Dave Weiner was developing RSS at the time with blogs, and he had a piece of software called Radio Userland, and it created an RSS feed, and you could also uh, subscribe to RSS feeds. It was all in one. And uh, I... I came up with this last yard idea and I said, well, why don't we attach, like make a file attachment to RSS, which was really for blogs at the time. That way it's like attaching, you know, uh, a file to an email. And then the aggregator on the receiving side can decide what to do with that. And so uh, I actually flew to New York to convince him to do this. He was in New York and it, he, he did not think it was interesting until I wrote an example in his own code of his, Radio Userland, which 
when he saw that, he said, okay, I'll do it, but you have to promise you never, ever use my code again because that was a horrible thing to see. I said, okay, that's fine. I'm not a, I'm not a coder at all. Um, so then um, we were kind of like the only people playing around with that. And it was just, you know, I'd see the we had auto downloading. So when something came in and there was a little folder on your desktop and that's where the video files or whatever else, we were doing PDFs, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and then uh, I saw my first iPod in 2004 and I was like, holy crap, this is not a digital Walkman. This is not a jukebox. This is a radio receiver. I used to have one just like it. It was a little Sony, like a square, solid state AM radio. My grandmother gave it to me, had a nine volt battery, put it under the pillow at night, listen to the basketball games. And, uh, and so then I set about rigging an RSS feed with Apple script so that when there was a new item, it would download that item and then put it into my uh, into my iTunes. You had to still synchronize with iTunes. And then it would create a playlist based upon the parameters of the, the blog post title. And so before you know it, I'd actually transformed my iPod into a podcast player. Uh, and I immediately set about doing a show called The Daily Source Code, which was just a, exactly what it sounds like, a daily uh, quote unquote radio show. We didn't, it wasn't called podcasting at the time. And what I was talking about is my shitty ass script. So can anyone build something better? Cause this, you know, we need radios basically. And they came, developers came from all over the world creating different versions. We discovered all of this horrible stuff early on. Like you should not subscribe to a feed and then it should not automatically download every podcast in that feed. You know, all these little things that we hadn't figured out. Um, and from there, the acceleration was, was, uh, it was exponential. And we were getting attention from mainstream media, the BBC, NPR. They were all over this stuff. Um, and it, within a year, 2005, close to 2006, Steve Jobs had called me and asked for a meeting, uh, to talk about putting, uh, podcasting into iTunes proper and have it work. There was no iPhone at the time have it work with the uh, with the iPod. So that's uh, that's kind of the brief history of podcasting and how I was involved with it. In other words, you practically created it on some levels. At least. With Dave Weiner, mm-hmm. yeah. and, but really a, a cast of thousands of, of developers and early adopters. Um, you know, Tony Khan, WGBH, dragged NPR into it early on. Uh, Christopher Lydon, uh, was doing uh, interviews early on. You know, there was a BBC. There was just a lot of people who contributed. But really, the developers are the ones who created all the experiences. Yeah, because even for me, who, who I've been around since 08, and I've been full-time since 2010, when I got started, it was very early in the days, I think, of real uptake of podcasts. But it was all there. It was all there. All I did was figure out, oh, I can put this thing into a WordPress blog and send it out over, right. uh, you know, iTunes. And it, it made getting started really easy. And I kind of want to go into next, like the value proposition that podcasting offers today in 2022 and kind of look at two sides of it. One is people like us. I mean, we both earn a living doing what we do. In 1995, we could have been as good as we are. We still wouldn't. There was no way to do this in 1995 without going through the mainstream uh, you know, gauntlet, basically figure out how to get on syndicated radio or something like that. But I think the other side is like podcasting is a huge value proposition today to listeners, right? Or to viewers if it's in video, because they're getting content that 
they can't get anywhere else because it's too narrow. Like some of it's not even about censorship. Some of it's like you follow, I don't know, uh, curling or something. Like you're not going to get much coverage of that mm-hmm. on, uh, on CNN or even ESPN. But then the other side is that we are able to reach people with a message that's being shut down elsewhere. And I know you've done a lot of work to try to make sure that as that gets tightened down on, and it seems like it is, that there's alternatives. Well, let's go back to that genesis. Um, I made a mistake early on. So Steve Jobs called me and said, can I meet with you? Which, of course, like, are you fucking kidding me? Yes, of course. Uh, up there with Quincy Jones. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I've, I've spoken to some interesting people. You're on my list. Uh, very interesting meeting, very, very humble, really sympathetic guys. A couple of things I noticed that were surprising, but in general, um, when I gave, uh, Steve the index that we had built, which was at iPodder.org, it was an open source index of podcasts. We had a couple thousand in there at the time said, here you go, you know, start it off. What I did not realize is I was really giving Apple license to become the on-ramp to podcasting and podcasting is inherently decentralized um there's you know 20 30 different hosting companies there's lots of different apps um with different experiences different types of uh of uh, features and functionality um but in order to be accepted you had to go through the two to three day apple onboarding process uh, adhere to their technical standards and really what was forgotten in all this is the guys who were building radios. As a broadcaster, I never really had to think about radios. Everyone has a fucking radio. It's in your car. It's in your boat. And, you know, it's like everyone has a radio. I don't have to worry about that. And then um, uh, Apple became kind of the default radio with the only way, only incentive for app developers to build apps was uh, a very, again, through Apple, uh, such as Overcast, like get people to pay you for the work you've done to make the radio work. It's not something a lot of people are used to doing. Um, but also, most of the apps that were independent uh, or outside of the Apple ecosystem were using the Apple database. Because, as it turns out, when you're when you have a couple thousand podcasts in the world, it's okay for your mobile device to be looking at those feeds and parsing them and making sure there's updates and making sure you're getting the podcast soon enough. But when there's four and a half million, now it becomes quite a chore. I mean, you could just drain your battery just on doing all that crunching by itself. So um, people were using the Apple aggregator, their index, which Apple really didn't support as uh, as an endpoint per se, it was just there because their own app used it, and therefore it had to be openly accessible through the API. Um, so this was kind of coddling along, and the thing that was noticeable that in over 10 years, there'd really not been an update to any features of podcasting, nothing. And it was a chicken and the egg problem. Hosting companies weren't about to add features that, quote-unquote, the big boys like Apple weren't going to implement. And um, the app developers had no incentive because they, too, were on Apple's uh, index. So if Apple doesn't store it, then they can't show it. So this was an ongoing uh, chicken and the egg, and there were all kinds of steering committees and groups and governors and all kinds of stuff that, oh, we're going to be an industry and we're going to go talk to Apple. And, of course, that never happened. It never materialized. It just was a big circle jerk for 10 years that I really wasn't a part of because 
everything was kind of working until two things happened. One, uh, Apple decided uniformly to deplatform Alex Jones and five or six other so-called QAnon podcasts, of which one is the X-22 report, which I listen to with, with regularity. I'm like, this is fucking innocuous. What kind of bullshit is this? But it was a coordinated uh, takedown, if you recall. Google, uh, Facebook, Twitter, it all happened one night, and Apple led the charge. And that was very disappointing because those podcasts disappeared from all podcast apps because they were all on the Apple index. Well, now we have a problem, Houston. Second problem is I just met Joe Rogan, just been on his show, and he was moving to Spotify. Well, holy crap. You know, so Spotify owns now arguably one of the or has the exclusive rights to one of the most uh, successful podcasts. We need to make the open, the, I mean, the podcast ecosystem, fuck being open. I mean, anyone who's trying to close it is not in podcasting as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we need to make it attractive and robust enough for the next Joe Rogan because there's going to be hundreds of them. And, and not just America, around the world. Um. So I knew that two things needed to be done because there's also a financial deplatforming that's taking place, which is very dangerous uh, for people who, you know, we saw it with Patreon. There was a lot of examples of this throughout the past couple of years prior to this big, you know, let, let's take some, some podcasts down. Uh, people were getting deplatformed from their money supply connection literally to their audience because of something they said somewhere else, not even on this platform or not even through Patreon or any of this. So, you know, the money was a problem. Um, now, I knew how to solve the first one easily, which is we're just going to create an open independent index. We will offer an API free to developers so that anybody can come in. And if look, if you don't want to show certain shows that are in the index and in that in that regard, we're like Google. Uh, then just filter them out. Don't show them. You know, that's fine. So we're just, we're just a warehouse and you throw the shit in and we make it easy for you to get out. We make it so easy. We, we make a full copy of our database available once a week just so that people can, uh, can download the whole thing. Go off and make your own service. You know, this is the new world of, of open projects and open development. Luckily, I, this is, uh, during the, the original Two weeks to flatten the curve. I had been, besides going insane trying to figure out what kind of scam we were being led into. Now, um, I also started learning about the light, the Lightning Network, and uh, the Lightning Network is uh, kind of I, I equate it to like Venmo for Bitcoin, where your bank and all that infrastructure and the Swift Network. That's your, you know, that's Bitcoin, and then you have a lightweight app on top which does. Smallish amounts, you know, up to a couple hundred bucks, and it's really fast, and the fees are incredibly low or zero. Uh, and uh, I had kind of one of those epiphany, mind-blowing moments. You know, I got a ras- Raspberry Pi. I loaded the Raspy Blitz software on it. All of a sudden, I have a full node, and I'm like, wait a minute. This is like programmable money. This is very interesting, and it's real micropayments. You can do, yeah. you know, a, a thousandth of a, of a U.S. dollar cent. So, well, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, I'll be and, honest. When I first heard you were doing that, and somebody just said Bitcoin, I was like, "What is he high?" And then they said, "Oh, he's doing it with Lightning." And I'm like, "Oh, oh, that's freaking brilliant." Um, and so um, I I presented this to Dave Jones, who uh, I met actually 12 years ago uh, in an, in another Dave Weiner related project. 
uh, outline process or markup language, and we were built. We've built all kinds of cool products. It usually goes like this: Hey, Dave, we got a great idea. This is it. And then you'd be like, cool, that's a cool idea. Let's build it. Now that means Dave's going to build it. But Adam breaks it, Dave builds it. And we just go through these loops. And it's always been just, we're friends, you know, just fun. And then we always come up with these products that we love, we use, that no one else understands, no one uses. And I said, this is another one of those calls. Dude, let's create an index with an API and let's create, uh, and Dave, of course, knows how to do this with namespaces. And, you know, he's he's very, very good at managing these projects. Um, uh, let's, uh, let's build in lightning and we'll, we'll take the value for value concept that, uh, John C. Dvorak and I have been using for you know, now in our 15th year. Let's take that and apply it to this, to this scenario, to this use case where you're receiving value in ones and zeros, which translates into MP3 sound into your ear or video. Simultaneously, you're sending value back ones and zeros in the form of money. And and you determine what you want to send based upon the value that you are receiving. And this is this is what's really revolutionary is the idea that this type of product, which is is highly uh, subjective to what it's worth, can only truly be determined by the receiver if it's valuable or not and how valuable that is. Um, and once you, and here's the big surprise. Once you leave that pricing mechanism open, you make a lot more money than if you fix it at a, a set fee. And all the psychological reasons for that, uh, Dvorak and I are finally deciding, I think, to write a book about it, uh, which will be in turn value for value. So it'll be out there available for everybody. Send us uh, something if, if, uh, if it worked for you. Um, that proposition kind of solved two things or three things. Um, the most important to me is that now everyone's in the ecosystem. So if a podcast listener is sending a micropayment to the podcaster, a piece of that automatically goes to everyone who's contributing. So the app that you're using will take a small percentage. The index that provides this for free will take a small, we take 1%. Um, and then we built in um, what I call the distributed digital royalty system, the ability to split the payments between whoever you want. So if you have a co-host, you can give 50% to the co-host or 40 or 30. You can give 5% to an investor, 10% to a, someone who promotes your show really well. And this all takes place in real time, which now everybody benefits in the in the whole system, so there's an incentive for everybody to work and and together and to make this thing successful. And now we are um, a year and a half into the project. We have four and a half thousand podcasts that are value for value enabled. We have fifteen fifteen podcast apps that have integrated some or all of our podcasting 2.0 features, which are also more than ten and continue to be built. And we have a real community that is doing insane shit. Like yesterday, out of the blue, the app, one app in particular, just started to advertise a live stream where you'd normally see your podcast said, hey, live item. It opened up a chat. You could send messages in real time in, into, uh, with a boostagram. So with money into the chat to the podcaster. It was, and it, it was like on a live stream. The, the whole thing just, and it's like, 
four to five different people all came together kind of on this Sunday. Oh, yeah, I think we can do this now, and my piece is ready, and boom, it just happened. happened. And that and was that the, was the uh, Bulls with Buds. It, it was mind-blowing. So this project is, it's a, with David Bowie, when he was describing the Internet to the BBC, I think this was around 2000, he said, it's a fucking alien monster. We have no idea what it can do yet. And I think we're starting to see the, the monster, the tip of the monster's tongue now, how cool it is and what can really take place once we live free of uh, these artificial um, bars we've put in front, in front of our face by using, um, free, quote unquote, free shit from big tech. Yeah, and I, I think we are really starting to see the monster the Internet's turning into, and I think that's a monster that if we use it right is on our side. When when I started, it was ironic because people were listening to a podcast, which they could have done without the Internet. But in my space, preparedness, survivalism, and homesteading and things like that, there's a lot mm-hmm. of cynicism, justifiably with anything the government touched. Like, well, the government built this. The government built this. Well, you're using it to listen to me, and now we can use it to our own advantage. Like, I don't even think they knew what they were letting loose. And I remember back in like 2015 saying the internet is still in diapers. Like you think of it as being around for a while. It's still an infant. We have no idea where this is going. And I think that the beauty of this is exactly what you were talking about there. It's not just that we can build these great technologies, but when you put out an idea and you don't try to have complete control over it and you actually are willing to let go of it, like you said, people come that know more than you and I do. There's a lot of things I would like to do, but I don't have the knowledge to code, and I don't have the time to code. I have a I have a show to produce. But I've been amazed over the years at how you'll say, like, we should have a thing that does this, and somebody's like, we have a thing that almost does that. Give me a week, and all of a sudden you have a thing that does the thing you just conceived of. And so as long as we have the ability to communicate and distribute this these things, then it's very difficult for them to ever actually, in my opinion, employ true full-on censorship. I mean, as far as I know, there's people right now basically building parallel internets, let alone, you know, platforms like uh, Podcast Index, like literally building alternative ways to get to places, um, unstoppable, unstoppable domains. Because I always live in fear that one day, like the survival podcast, you know, dot com hit, this returns no results. You know, we're already mirrored on tour, but I think there's more and more things coming where we're going to be able to just stay up and good luck taking it down. And I also think and I'm, I'm interested in what you think about this. I've been thrown in YouTube prison a couple times recently. Um, got two strikes now. Again, I went long enough to get off of them before. And to me, we can actually use what they're doing against them in that. Immediately I went out. This is the, YouTube, the video YouTube doesn't want you to see. And I put it out on Odyssey and all the other alternative platforms. It's at, at the point now, I think, where when they do take something down, it actually pushes people off. I, I heard this morning that Rogan's podcast is not on Spotify. No, now, just, it was down for 20 minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody went nuts. But I was like, but if you really did that, do you know how stupid that would be? Like, okay, so, you know? Okay. Couple things. One, uh, yeah, the internet's in diapers, but that's not really the problem. We're still in diapers. We have fucking tailbones. We have no clue what is going on with our brains. We're just now understanding how our brains have been hacked by algos and dopamine hits and how destructive that can be and how unhappy it makes people in social media. And you don't really understand how, how evil that is until you immerse yourself in something like a mastodon 
where you, it's, uh, it's some people say, well, what the hell is different about Mastodon? Nothing. It's Twitter without the algo. Once you don't have the algo, then all of the flaming and all that just dies down with the progression of time because it slips down on the timeline. There's nothing bringing it back, knowing that it's time to engage you with another dopamine hit of anger or whatever it is. So that's the biggest problem. And we have complete artificial um, barriers that we've built. Now, what you're saying about just the way you speak about it, and I, and I mean this from an analytical standpoint, not as a criticism, just the way you speak about, well, we already have two strikes, you know, and uh, what YouTube, you're fighting, you're fighting YouTube. What the fuck are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time on that shit. That's what they want. They, that's that's great for them. And, it, and it's a false sense of community that is baked in and i can say this because we've never had this issue for the because we never relied on mainstream platforms mm-hmm. um that it becomes the game itself and i think that transcends sometimes what you're actually trying to do so i see a lot of this now like you know instead of really working on the issues with the uh with the freedom convoy with the truckers it's about who got taken down what live stream was shut off, you know, whose money got captured. It's This is not captured a flag. This is our fucking future here. And I'm saying fuck a lot because it's early for me, and it sounds good. I like the way it sounds in my throat. When you just, I'm, when you I'm, know, we are a fuck-friendly zone here at TSC. Okay, good, because I'm, I'm very, totally I'm very passionate about, I'm very passionate about this. You know, we need to, we need to really move beyond this fucking game of, well, you know, I get knocked off Twitter, oh, I got... Two strikes, I'm a YouTube, and blah, blah. All right, come on, blah, freedom. No, instead of that, we need some balls, and we need to move our audiences away. Right away, just move them off. And my job, we all have jobs. I can't code either. I can conceptualize, and um, uh, I understand the nature of the people who surround the No Agenda podcast. Uh, I consider them peers. They're producers. They're not fans. They're not audience. They're not listeners. You know, they are they are producers equal in making this whole thing work, which has been going just fine for, for you know, 15 years now. Uh, so you make shows, you make content. Uh, I make shows, I make content, and I try to – um, organize people to build something like podcasting 2.0 because ultimate and, and when it's the right note, then the orchestra comes to life. Um, what's, what is sometimes daunting is if I look at everybody who's working on these things and it's hundreds and hundreds, you know, it's, it is like an orchestra, but someone showed up with a banjo. There's a guy with a washboard. Someone's got the spoons, you know, there's a theremin, and that, and somehow we have to make that all sound good at the same time. And it's and it, but it's possible. And it's not something you can actually do. It just happens like a, a flock of birds, you know. So that's off to the races. And that's so when the the more I hear about the deplatforming and all that, the faster I want it to go. Please kick everybody off. Kick them all off. Kick them off. Kick oh them God. off. Kick them oh, off. You are you are quoting me. I've been saying this for years. Please throw us all off at the same time. Right. We'd be so much better off. Like, but they're strategic. They pick one person or two or three at a time and they pluck them and they seem to like pick like the perfect strategic time. But to even do this, it. even this, you're analyzing an enemy. You don't have to fight. Okay. You're, you don't have to fight him. Just, we just go away. What turns out, yeah, it's slower. 
um, because you're not in that. Look, the old thinking is the more people, the more successful. That's not true. The more people, the bigger target, the more problems. Um, and what is successful? You want people who are, you know, we're no broadcasting is no longer just broadcasting. It's so interactive. And of course that started with email and now, you know, we've got all so many different loops that, that we're really building these, these media experiences with the people who are on the other end. And it's a two way street, a full two way street. And people want that ownership. They crave that ownership. And, um, the, uh, the the value of having a smaller audience who are three times as dedicated, engaged, and willing to support it, that's just it. If you can influence so much with with your own small crew, um, because other crews bump into your crew, you know, and then, oh, okay, well, that's interesting, and then the crews kind of intersect, and then there's communication. You know, I've, we've seen this with... No Agenda is a great example. So we have these these watering holes, noagendasocial.com, which is a Mastodon server we've federated. We have the troll room, trollroom.io. We have the stream, noagendastream.com. And so from No Agenda have spawned all these different podcasts, um, and they all kind of intersect. The same people, you know, listen to one or two of the same shows. That spreads out. Um, and that's how, you know, you get more people engaged, but they're the right people. It's not just, oh my God, I'm on the front page of iTunes. Oh man, that means I'm rocking now. No, you're not. You're not. Um, and these things take time to build no matter what it is. You know, and you're just, as you said earlier, you know, you can get, you can get the knitting community, which by the way, is, there's a lot of controversy in the knitting community. You, you can, you can be a part of that. That's never going to be number one on iTunes. But is it number one for people who are into knitting? Yeah. So we have to move. This is the, this is our thinking has to change. Joe Rogan, innocuous little podcast dude. And I say that with love, you know, arguably 10, 12 million people, you know, checking at least one of his shows a month versus MSNBC, CNN, Fox, you know, they, they don't have those numbers. No. So it's over. We're all just kind of pretending that, well, well I think it's fear. It, that's really what it is. Like, well, you know, if, if I get kicked off there, then I'm not a real, I'm not real anymore. I don't exist. Now that's, no, I don't care life, if I get kicked off. That's, that's the beauty. And that's, that's kind of what life, I think. That's when yeah. life starts. You know, I've, I've been saying that all we need to be doing with these mainstream platforms, if you want to call them that, I call them legacy platforms is siphoning. All we need to be, if we pick people up there, we need to be pushing them off of there and over to alternative platforms or, you know, new platforms, the, the next generation. Well, I, I would say we need people to use protocols, not platforms. Okay. So when you use a platform, that's Spotify for, okay. excuse me, for podcasting. When you use protocols, you don't need to be any, you can have a, a Dropbox for your MP3 files and your RSS feed, and you're a part of the system. You will work just fine in any podcast app, which also doesn't have to be a platform. So using protocols is much more freedom-oriented and much more likely of success. Um, this is why uh, Bitcoin I'm, – I, 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 don't, I don't really care for any other coins. I'm a Bitcoiner. I understand Bitcoin. I believe that's kind of the, the one that 
makes the most sense for me in my life. Um, the decentralized nature of that and really is just a protocol. I mean, it's literally like email or like FTP or any, you know, any of these other, th- you don't deplatform email. Say, you, you can deplatform people off of Coinbase because they're using a platform, uh, to access the protocol. So once you have the ability to use something just at the protocol level, you, this word deplatforming doesn't even apply because it would have to be deprotocoling and you can't deprotocol. The protocol is what it is. It's out there for anybody to use. You're not going to ban somebody from internet protocol. Can't. Not, you can't do you it. Can't. It's, a, it's, it's out there. It exists. I agree completely. Now you run a huge show. I run a pretty big show. I go, I blow through terabytes of freaking data monthly. I run a dedicated box for that. Would you try to run a show the size of what, what you or I do using Dropbox? I mean, I, I, I shied away from like all of the free hosting things in the beginning because I knew I was going to build something big and I didn't want to ever have my file sitting somewhere and something go down and not have somebody to call. I'll pay the bill in order to deliver the content. Well, th- this was obviously just an example, but you okay. technically can do it. Um, part of, as part of the value for value model that no agenda pioneered and that we've lived by, you know, it's not just treasure, it's time, talent, treasure. So we'll take, we'll take anything you can do for us and, and we'll be very, uh, very appreciative and we will always credit you for what you did. Very early on, Mark Void Zero, he lives in the northern part of the Netherlands. Uh, he said, I'd like to, uh, set up a little CDN for you guys so that, you, you know, you just kind of solid moving forward and we'll future proof you at a very reasonable cost. Um, <clears throat> I believe our total monthly cost is five or six hundred dollars and that's for all of our, all of the show bandwidth. Um, and he's set up a system through OVH. Um, he has, you know, other producers who he trusts who when he's, uh, asleep, someone else can be mining the store. Um, it's, and we've never, never really, I mean, yeah, sure. This stuff happens. We've had DDoS attacks, but even that we've never really had an issue for, for, you know, I think he's been doing it 12, 13 years for us. And this, it's total trust. Uh, it works. The whole community supports when, when something, if something goes wrong. Uh, so no, it's not, you know, you can, I would not want to run, uh, yeah. anything out. I mean, but I, I also wouldn't want to run it off of AWS. You know, there's, absolutely not. No, nope. you know, so, I, but, but the things are happening. So just recently, uh, generation decentralized, I guess, gen, gen descend, um, I, I what got tagged on Twitter about a country out about a company out here in Hill Country, Texas, we're ninety miles west of Austin, um, that does fiber. And uh, so I DM'd uh, or the, the uh, someone DM'd me and I said, yeah, you know, why don't you guys come out and we'll we'll talk on Friday. And the CEO came out. It's a small company. They have four hundred miles of dark fiber all around the Hill Country. They have their own um, machines in the exchanges. Uh, he said, you know, they're very reasonable rates. Um, and you know, so now I'm actually connected to the internet, not going through the spying that spectrum does or any other, you know, uh, telco, um, it's direct, you know, fiber. I can run servers from here, uh, and it'll cost, you know, it'll cost 80 bucks a month. And, uh, and it's a small company. They will call me, 
Uh, I can call them, you know, whatever's going on. Uh, and that's the kind of thing we need. We need to really get away from all of these chokeholds wherever it involves uh, assholes, <laughs> which <laughs> it seems to be a lot of them. Yeah. yeah I, I think to me, one of the biggest mistakes I've seen podcasters make over the years is not forming direct relationship with their listeners. Um, my main monetization, I'm on, I'm on your platform and I receive sats daily and I love that. But like my main monetization platform going back years is I built a membership uh, program, gives people discounts, additional content, things like that. And I build direct. They don't use Patreon. I mean, when I started it, none of that stuff existed. Right. But the biggest thing that gives me is a database of all my people. So if I do disappear from somewhere, I can say, hey, this is how you can find me. And I find so many people, and not just podcasters, like YouTube creators that I guess you call them podcasters, but they're not in that ecosystem. They're only doing video content. They're not distributing it with RSS. And they're running YouTube ads. They're running that stupid membership program thing that YouTube does and super chats and all. And some of these people are making six figure income. Some are making 30, 40 grand a month with this. Mm-hmm. And it's just to me, it's frightening that like you don't understand that can all be gone. I, I was doing things in, in the tech field and the internet back in the early 2000s with things like I was doing arbitrage with Google AdWords, right? So we were sure. building little sites and moving traffic around and we were making you know, some months, tens of thousands of dollars just in absence arbitrage. And in one day, and in one day, all that ended. I watched, there was a, I don't know if you remember this, there was a site called Paper Post, and it was basically people buying blog posts, and they were yeah. buying links, sure. right? And all these mommy bloggers started making a couple $3,000 a month. These were, you know, women staying at home, taking care of their kids. And Google went in and manually readjusted their sites to completely devalue them to zero. Like, they couldn't fix their algorithm. They manually did that. And mm-hmm. those people had no direct relationship with their customers. And I think like that to me is the biggest mistake is not having that ability to reach out to your people at any time and say, here's where I am. Here's what's going on. And this is why we built. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and I don't care if people don't understand it. They'll, they'll understand soon enough. I, I have no time to tell people they're in peril and in danger. If you can't see that, if you don't yeah. see it around you, if you think it's not going to happen to you, shame on you. So, yes, our methods are troll room, no agenda social, newsletter. Uh, these are the main things. So, you know, we have bat signals. We have um, – and there's and, – and we've always encouraged people to do their own thing. So there must be 15 Telegram channels, you know, one for – Gitmo Nation, the slaves of Gitmo Nation, Gitmo Nation Lowlands, Gitmo Nation Chicago, the 512 group, uh, meetups, another thing. You know, people organize their own meetups. They get together. One of our producers put together noagendameetups.com to facilitate that. All, all of this shit is available with big tech, but it's not worth it. It's the, the times we've had something go wrong with any of our infrastructure. Uh, I can count on 10 fingers probably versus at any moment being thrown off uh, a software change, an upgrade that screws everything up, all of these things, you know, hassle, 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 hassle. Um, so, again, you know, it's like my job is to build for uh, the millennial user of this technology which I think is really where it's at. You know, it's we're, we're talking late twenties is the people who are 
uh, most excited about about this. And that's my daughter's age, you know. So um, th- this is this is we just need to reset our thinking. It's not important to be number one on YouTube, number one on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, if you like flipping houses, you can do that too. You know, so you know, you can be very successful flipping homes, and you can be very successful doing a YouTube show, and it can end through government intervention, through you know, all kinds of things beyond your control. So, as a part of surviving, uh, and uh, and I like your whole premise. You know, we are now almost 100% off grid capable, just waiting for the propane line to be connected to the whole house generator. Um, the same goes for, for my digital life. You know, I want to be as independent as possible of any software or network things that can be manipulated to ruin my day. Yeah. I mean, really what we do is basically lifestyle design and it goes into all things. It goes into the redundancy of the power to your home, it, but it goes into the redundancy of the technology you're using. And, and, and for sure. what I love about the way you're making this all like, Take it and do what you want. Like there's one of my listeners recently did a comment. He's got to build something called Sovereign Feeds. Yeah, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's Stephen B. I know exactly who that is. That's yeah. one of our main podcasting 2.0 developers. Sure. And I think that's pulling straight out of Podcast Index, right? That's how that. That's well, what, he's, what Sovereign Feeds does is very important. Um, and it took us a long time to get someone to do that. Or it took me a long time to motivate someone to do this really thankless task because it, what he did is a labor of love towards the podcasting community and it's create a very simple way for anybody to immediately look at the features they can add to their own, their existing podcast, create an RSS feed so you can actually see that work in new players and then make the decision for yourself. Do I want to go to a host that has these features or a lot of these features and can do them for me that I'll pay? Or do I want to use Sovereign Feeds, which I use for all my shows now, uh, to uh, to basically, um, you know, create it to throw it up on a, on a server somewhere? So what, what, what would you say to somebody right now? We had a lot of people when I was waiting for you to, to uh, we were waiting to, to start that have talked about starting podcasts. And I think there's a lot of people that feel like, you know, there's so many podcasts out there now and you're, you're white noise in the background. I think we need more podcasters. I, I, I'm willing to share the space with anybody and I think that they should be encouraged to do so. Well, um, I view podcasts in a very, uh, particular way. Um, in fact, I think, uh, podcast index, uh, in the future will be a misnomer. Uh, because I think the index is, is probably a better way of describing it. To me, you know, we, and we've had a lot of community conversations about this where people will say, well, how many of those shows in the podcast index are dead? I'm like, well, what does dead mean? So I did, I did 800 episodes of the daily source code. Is that not worth, uh, having to go back and listen to? Is that dead now? So fuck it. Get rid of it. No, that's arrogance. So that's the, we have to really think about what a podcast is. What I want uh, to me, success would be a college professor who can record some of his lectures, his or her lectures, and then uh, decide. You know what? I'm going to put this on a on a podcast feed for my students, and uh, and be able to go home 
and do that and have it work right away. Not have to go through apples, hoops, and jumps and all that and be able to really do it yourself. Even if you don't have the money for a hosting company, you know, you can use um, a WordPress. There's so many different, so many different ways that you can create a podcast. And that to me would be a super valid podcast. Um, there are people using the same architecture to release albums. Uh, with episodes being tracks, you know, and I think I think we're going to see Ooh. that that this is a really interesting way of just. And what's even cooler about the album thing? This is Abel and the Wolf, Sir Spencer and Abel Kirby, uh, AbelandTheWolf.com. So they set up their value for value splits. Remember, I was talking about the distributed digital royalty system, so that when someone is listening to one of their tracks. The money that I am sending in real time actually goes to five different people. It goes to the writer, composer, it goes to the lyricist, you know, all different. So it's basically in, disintermediating ASCAP, BMI, SoundStream, all of these guys, uh, which are big black holes uh, where the money goes in and, you know, 48 months later, something trickles out. You're not sure. You have to sue everybody all the time. You got the labels making trouble. Um, and you know, this is, this, the hate for Joe Rogan and Spotify from musicians is not about Joe Rogan. It's about Spotify and people who, um, well, even Abel and, uh, Abel and the Wolf would be the first to say they know that they made more money using value for value using the index than they would have if they launched on Spotify. So no, I think there's definitely something to value for value because you set a price in your head and a lot of people are below it, but then a lot of people are above it. And like oh, you said, no. it's very subjective, right? It's you know, like huge the amount of people who will. I mean, look at No Agenda. Now you have to have an outstanding product. If you got shit product, who's, who's going to pay for it? And people won't listen. It doesn't matter. So whatever we're doing for the people that produce our show, they like it, and they like it so much that hundreds of people give us five dollars a month. But we also have people who give us five hundred a month. And we have some people who show up and say, crap, I have never donated. Here's $10,000. Thank you for what you've done for me. Now, am I, who am I? To, that's the value that particular person, Dame Julia, that she put on whatever she got out of it. And for her, that I don't know. She she may be a billionaire. That may be a tip for her. Woo, you know, I, I just like I throw that away all day. I don't know. It doesn't matter. That's how that was her value. And to me, her value was enormous. So this and this is a psychological thing that we hope to also address in the book um, of how people really want to support the things they love. And when you let them determine the price themselves, you're always surprised because you're measuring money by your own standards. For me, 500 bucks would be a lot per month for a podcast. Like, holy shit. I mean, I really got to get something out of that. For someone else, that may just be a, a great number. Yeah. You know, so, so these are, these are things that have not been explored. And quite honestly, you know, people who control the money flow and control the, the pricing and purchasing of digital assets, uh, they don't want us to figure this out. I don't think that no. it doesn't, doesn't behoove. I mean, we're going around all systems and it's, it, it's, it's a, it's like a human experience of an epic, epic magnitude for me to see how 
in this case, Bitcoin and podcasting have connected so many people to make something just work fucking better for us. If you want to put a label on it, this is real Web 3.0. Yeah, not the Silicon Valley version, but this is really it. Everyone's incentivized, incentivized because of the value they get out of working together. That's not always money. Yeah, I agree. And I'll tell you what I love about what you've done. I am, I am not a maximalist, but what I call myself is a shitcoin minimalist. So I I I barely touch anything other than Bitcoin. There's some things I, you know, I do like. I do like some of the privacy coins because that's an easy onboarded. Once you have it, you can do private transactions. But I remember when Bitcoin Cash was declared basically war on Bitcoin uh, with uh, Roger Ver at the helm. And they made a huge deal about simple ledger protocol. And all the shit you're talking about was the value proposition they were making with SLP that you would be able to have, you know, a restaurant. Somebody goes in and buys a scone and the cashier gets paid and the supplier gets paid. And that's what you've done. And you yes. built it on Bitcoin and it was supposedly, well, we can't do that with Bitcoin. And it's really interesting because, so yes, I, and for, I like the, uh, shitcoin minimalist. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. I, I would put myself there too. Um, that's really the lightning network. When, uh, when I saw the lightning network, I, I, it was, for me, it was the same aha moment that I had when I saw the first iPod. I'm like, holy crap. We can finally do this micro, this micro, uh, payment thing. And when I got into, you know, one of these development groups and, and the CEO of Lightning Labs, who does the LND version, there's all kinds of companies working on this, but they're the, they've been the main, the main technology we've been using. Um, I said, Hey, you know, um, everyone's talking about Wumbo channels and big, big money transferring. And we have a little, a little puny network of, uh, you know, like a couple hundred nodes that people have at home and are just, you know, so we have small, small channels and, and very low transaction fees. And, you know, what are your plans for really the micro transaction ecosystem? And, you know, it was crickets, you know, they're like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> um, where well, we really been looking for two things from technology. One is true micro transactions on a per usage basis, which completely is, is, it seems like Lightning was developed for it, but people were thinking in a different way. We do more transactions on the Lightning network than any entity, any entity, because wow. we're doing a tr- transaction, not the amount. We're not doing more money than anybody. In fact, we're very low, but we do more transactions. In fact, that, that live thing I told you about yesterday with the uh, bowls with buds. Yeah. It, we had our, this only people who are old enough will remember this. We had our Victoria's Secret moment where the wallets literally could not keep up with the amount of money they had to send because it was so many people sending boostograms and all this stuff. Stuff we can fix, but it was like one of those, do you even know what I'm talking about with Victoria's Secret? Is that a reference? That, I, I don't know. It was the Super Bowl, I want to say 95 or 96 Super Bowl, and Victoria's Secret at halftime uh, did a live stream of their new collection, and it lasted for about three minutes. Because everyone tuned into the live stream, crashed everything, and those guys turned it around into this huge PR win. Got this was so popular, it blew up the internet, and it's yeah. now a famous example of something completely sucking and breaking being turned into a win. 
I need a better reference, <laughs> um, an updated reference. So anyway, um, uh, I was going to make a point about you, you originally yes. saying you had your Victoria's Secret moment, right? No, but you, your original question was about uh, about doing it on Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, versus um, SLP with Bitcoin Cash and how you're actually able to oh, do the thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Now I know what I would, Thank you. So um, just going back to Bitcoin Cash and the block wars, the block size wars, um, and this this is also uh, my issue with Ethereum and really all, all other all other coins. The whole point of the argument, and it, it's taken me many years to understand what the hell was going on, and so in hindsight, easy. I wasn't part of the conversation. But the whole point was keeping the block size small enables Adam to have a Raspberry Pi that you know with a with a two terabyte drive, and I can participate in the network, therefore making the network more decentralized, more secure, more robust. the 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 war was about the size, like we have to have much bigger block size, which by definition requires someone to have a lot of horsepower and storage to become a full node. And when you have that limitation, you're always going to get centralization of power. Um, so as the way I see it, that was the right choice is to keep this block size at least in check with, um, with what consumer gear can do. So, you know, you can have a one terabyte drive cost you a hundred bucks, uh, and a Raspberry Pi and, and you can, you can be fully noted and you're participating in the network and you're helping make it robust, more secure. Uh, and of course, at the same time, you have your own node. So you are uh, non-custodial by default and you own it. And as long as you can remember your 12 or 24 seed words, whichever you choose, you can smash that thing. You can burn my house and it's fine. I, I will be able to retrieve my money and be back online quickly. Absolutely. And for the people that don't want to maybe do everything on their own, like I run a start nine server plug a hard drive into it, you install a Bitcoin node by clicking a button. It's a little mm-hmm. complicated because you got to fund called? Start9? Start9 Embassy Servers. And uh, they're a sponsor of our show. They do a great job. And uh, yeah, later on, I can put you in touch with the owner. If is that a cloud-based service? It is. No, it is. I'll have to unplug it and show it to you. But when I Oh, man, don't in, unplug your node, bro. That'll take – got to resync <laughs> with the graph. It's, it's, it's a box about the size of a deck of cards. Oh, you cool. Plug, you plug it into your router. You plug um, uh, it's a, a full node. It's it, you can run a full Bitcoin node. You can run a full freaking Lightning node. Right, but it but is, is does it come pre-installed? Do you have to install? No, you have to that? install it. But right. it's it's in. So when you plug it in, you take their app and you configure it, and you say install this. It's like it's like almost like apps on an iPhone. Think of it that. Like way. is it like Umbral? I don't know. I don't know okay. if that's the case. But it's okay. it is as simple as I want this on my on my Start Nine, and boom, it's there. You can run Sphinx Chat and do end to end. Full encrypted chat back right, and forth, right. running on your own servers back, you know, back to each other. I don't know if this is legit or not. Some dude in, in Acapulco said you could literally pop a ceiling tile at a Starbucks and you can find power there. up there, tie into their Wi-Fi, and have distributed freaking of these things all over the planet. Now that's not from the company itself. That was a a, a presenter, you know. Oh well, this is a sexy little box. Yeah, it is. It really oh, is. I and, was, and, and it comes. So you plug in an external hard drive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need to use an SSD hard drive if you're running nodes. You don't want something. Oh yeah. Sitting there. Oh yeah. Well, that yeah, that's sexy. 
I'm still learning everything I like can it. do, but they reached out to me this fall. I had them on for an episode. And I'm like, man, we got, we got to work together, you know, because that's the kind of thing you're talking about. This is very nice. Yeah, and I'm just wondering. Yeah, a, this, is very simi- we, this is very similar to Umbral. Uh, uh, Umbral uh, is very popular right now. They, they have the exact same concept with, um, with the app store and everything. Great. I'll, I'll order one of these. This is a very exciting little box. I like that. Yeah. Embassy, it's start9.com. Start9, yeah. I like that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so um, I'm just wondering if maybe there's some way that some of what you're doing with, like, podcast index and all can. Well, I mean, right now we have Helipad. I don't know if you have Helipad yet. No. Oh, my I'm goodness. Sure. Tell me about oh, it. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Can I share my screen with you, bro? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hold on a second. So Helipad is the other side of... Um, of the boostergram. So you're receiving sats. Now, when someone sends you a boostergram with a message, can you see that? Uh, are, are you able to see that anywhere? Do not see it. Usually it pops in down below and I can, let me see if there's something I need to do. Pops in below. Yeah. Like I usually see like a window pop up down in the bottom of the studio. And if you're trying to share a screen, did you? No, no, no. There? That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is, um, right now you're, you're, you're podcasting 2.8.2.0 enabled and you're receiving sats on your node. Yeah. Um, but you know, we now have the ability to send like a thousand sats or 5,000 sats in one go with the boost and you can add a message and I'm going to show you how that works. Hold on a second. Oh, okay. Um, so this, uh, we need to make this available for, uh, for your system. Okay. Share. Share screen. Okay. Uh, boom. Okay. Yeah, there you are. I'll add to the stream, and you can. Uh, okay. Can you, can you see this now? Yeah. What's on there my you screen? Go. You have you have the power. Okay. So this is Helipad. So whenever someone sends me a boostergram, uh, and this shows for no agenda, but you'll see uh, podcasting 2.0. It shows me how many satoshis came in. When, obviously, what show it was for, what episode, and then a message. So, and people are sending quite long message. Here's a longer message. And these are all, so here's 21,112 sats from the Mere Mortals podcast. And look, I got confetti coming down right now. That's because a stream came in. You'll see up here, the balance is 862,048. Um, so let me, let me, uh, let me show you something here. Okay. Um, so let me, uh, switch back. Oh, actually, no, I can, I can do a, I'm going to do you a live demo, brother. Watch this. All right. This will be crazy. Okay. When it pops back up. I'll, I'll drop you back in the screen here. All right. Cause you closed out. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. No worries. Anyone who's listening to the show will be severely disappointed. Uh, <laughs> so let's go to CurioCaster here. The one, the one you mentioned, they, have, it's a great web app. Uh, I'm going to grab the show I do with uh, my wife here, Curry and the Keeper. And so I'll play this. Okay. Now you see on the screen here is a boost button. Yep. Uh, as I'm playing this here, I'm sending 100 sats per minute. Here's what I have left in my wallet. Uh, oops. Let me do that. Um, so now I'm going to hold down the boost button uh, and I'll make it. One, two, three, four sats. And here's the split so I can send it to everybody. 
Just a Curry and the Keeper. This is Dreb Scott. He does our chapters. They're Sovereign Feeds. I like Sovereign Feeds because I use their system. This is Jeff Smith, the song you just heard. I give him 5% of every every uh, payment because uh, he created that song and charged me nothing for it. And I'll put in here, uh, Survival Podcast Rocks. Okay. Uh, so I hit that. Now the boost has been sent. Now we'll go over to Helipad. And, uh, again, we're seeing confetti because stuff is just coming in naturally. Um, let's see. So it's going through the, going through the lightning network and hopefully within a second it'll show up in helipad. There we go. You see one, two, three, four sats. You see that my, my balance went up here. Survival yeah. podcast rock. So I literally sent this from one podcast app through God knows whatever mojo magic, and it popped into my own node that I have here on a laptop in the corner. That's amazing. And with a message, with a message. Um, so do and, you need helipad? You can, you, we, we'll make sure that you can install H-E-L-L-I-E that. H-E-L-L-I-E or H-E-L-L, how do you, how do you spell it? H-E-L-I-P-A-D. H-E-L-I-P-A-D. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's, I, I'll send a link to a, to a GitHub, but, Right now, you can install it. Um, it comes out of the box on Umbral. Uh, it just got released in the Raspi Blitz full node 1.7.2. Uh, I had not heard of the Embassy Start 9 servers. We need to get it in there, too. Well, I'll reach out to them because that that is freaking amazing. That's freaking amazing. And my, my folks are heavily picking those up right now. So that that's so awesome. That, that's the shit we're building. And that... What you just witnessed is something that's so fun, it makes the paying fun. Yeah. And, of course, you close that loop on your show by reading the uh, reading the boostergrams. And we have an Excel export to make it easy so you can uh, so you can easily use that in your in your production of the show. And it, it really becomes well, uh, when we do the, the live stream like we just tested Sunday, um, it's like super super chat. Only you don't have to go through some rigmarole to sign up the super chat. You don't. You're not beholden to um, to anyone, and it's instant settlement. You got the money. You don't have to wait for a check to come from super chat or YouTube or however the heck that works. It's instant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you don't have a recurrent revenue restriction too. I think YouTube does their membership things like five bucks, and that's that's the only choice a person has. I have. No idea. Freedom. But anyway, you, you just mentioned live. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. So right now I live stream, as you can tell, obviously I use StreamYard. Uh, I think we're on nine platforms right now. That's great. Is there any way to do that through the tech either you've built or your people built or like using RMTP or something like that? I could be pushing out because I, I'll keep adding on my account here. I'll, I'll go to every place I can go. Yes. Um, yes. Cause life is beautiful. You do one place and it goes everywhere. It's like, it's this like is, backend this is exactly, this is exactly what we were testing yesterday. So the answer is yes. Awesome. And I have uh, Mo Fax waiting in the wings as well. Anyone who does a YouTube live will love this. Um, you will indeed start up an RTP stream from StreamYard and you will most likely initially send that to noagendatube.com. Alex Gates runs No Agenda Tube. No Agenda Tube is a web torrent-based video system. Uh, and so what happens there is every podcast app. So 
you'll be subscribed to the survival podcast in your 2.0 app. When you go live, my app will literally go boing, whatever the notification is. It'll say survival podcast is live. Jack's live. I will tap on it instead of playing the recent podcast episode, by the way, it'll be the top thing. It'll be the notification even says little live banner on it. Um, uh, you'll tap on that. The live stream will start playing and you'll have a chat and you'll be able to boost at the same time. Uh, what's cool about, uh, the web torrent, no agenda tube is that the bandwidth is then shared. Every person who's watching is automatically a web torrent, uh, a client and will be making bandwidth available to everybody else who's watching at the same time. So we're taking these well established, um, uh, protocols that have been, that have become very robust. WebTorrent is incredibly uh, robust. Uh, are these people who are chatting live who are saying yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's live, live, live chat oh. that we're, we're seeing. Yo, trolls, how you doing? Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. More trolling, please. Yeah. Um, you know, so yes, the, the answer is fuck yeah. This has been uh, the next, uh, next step. The thing we got to fix now, as we learned last night, is if everyone's boosting all the time, uh, then, uh, you know, the, the, the wallets lock up and we, it was actually restricted, uh, restricting payments. So, you know, right away, we're all on, uh, on the, on the, on the Mastodon server last night. Okay. What happened here? What locked up? You know, what did you see trying to send it asynchronously? So we're going to fix that. You know, we're going to fix it. And it's, um, it's, I, I get goosebumps, man. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Not so much about the outcome of how it will work, that it will work. It's about the people who are coming together to make it work. Everybody bringing their own little piece. You know, Alex Gates brings, um, it's peer tube is the, is actually what it is, but it's like a web torrent. So, uh, he brings his piece. And by the way, anyone who uses it, when you use peer tube, uh, for your live stream, it, it will cost you nothing up front. Alex Gates will, will agree with you that 15 or he may want 20% of your boosts, uh, to go to him because he's providing all the infrastructure for your stream. You, you can negotiate that. I have no idea what he'll ask. It may be 5%. But, you know, uh, um, then you have, uh, your, the wallet that people are, or the app that people are using to, to watch the live stream and, and supposedly also listen to the podcast. Um, and they, they will also be very, and they are transparent saying, Hey, you know what? Uh, we had to build this in. So we're taking 1%. Uh, and that is all paid for by the person who is consuming it and determines the value. So they decide. Not you. They decide if that's worth it to them. So these, and, and anybody else can build a technology. Like if they think that what they're charging for that is too high, I don't. But if, but if they did, someone will go build, somewhere else. Build your own tech and then that, make it that's, better. That's like Podcast Index. And now we are an LLC. Um, we did not want to be a nonprofit, but we have no outside funding and total vow of poverty. Um, but we said early on we want 1%. Um, of any payment that anybody does using our API. Now you don't have to use our API. You can get information directly from someone's RSS feed. Uh, there's many ways that you can do it. You don't need our index. You can take our entire database, build your own index. That would actually be a good thing. Go build your own index. Then we can compete. 
You know, well, and what, you build an app on top of it. I mean, that's you can, however you want to do it. You can compete or you can co- collaborate. And, and and so this to me is a great way to do it because while, you know, we our income is is quite low. It's basically covering the cost of our servers. Um, we're keeping all the Bitcoin. We're just stacking those sats. I mean, to mm. us, it's it's more. We work really hard. Dave especially works very hard. Um. But it's it's um, it's more profitable than mining. <laughs> Although I I mine, I got an S nine ant miner here, of course. You know, I'm I'm mining and I love it. But it's really more. You know, if you want some Bitcoin, people say, "How do I get some Bitcoin?" Well, start a podcast or enable your current podcast, and you'll see Bitcoin coming in v- very quickly, even if it's just the ten, fifty, or a hundred sats a minute. Uh, so th- th- this is uh. People are ready for this. They are so ready for this. And once we can move beyond the, hey, man, I'm playing this game against the man, like YouTube. Oh, if I say this, I might get taken down. It's become a sick game. I, I can't yeah. watch it. I really, really despise people who don't understand. Not, no, I don't despise people. I despise the game. And I find it sad that people don't understand you're you're playing a game. And you're losing sight of everything you were trying to do for your community, knitting, soccer, politics, whatever it is, you're you're more concerned with not being taken down and how far can I go and how risky can I be? And everyone plays into that. And it's like, geez, don't you see? Like, go be free. Be free. Come to the dark side. Be free. Be free. I can say whatever I want. We've said horrible things. And, and we're just, you know, no one can take us down. But we also, and this is, I'm not, I, I come, I come from a total interruptive advertising mainstream world. I've participated in, I've actually tried to make change advertising. That was my big mistake with pod show. I was like, Oh, I'm sure we can change advertising to fit into this. No. Um, the interruptive advertising model is, is being rejected. It's being rejected by people who have seen the light of streaming. Like, yeah, I'd much rather pay five bucks and get all I can eat. Now, of course, you're seeing, um, the result of uh, the the concept of streaming, of aggregating all of these shows, when you have more players coming online who own certain pieces of content, we at home, you know, my wife and I, and we, you know, we have a nice life. We actually debated: should we really add Peacock to our to our monthly bill? I mean, we're pay, we got a lot of lot of things we're paying for here, and what are we really paying for? So this model cuts through that and keeps the the non-interruptive advertising piece away, uh, but allows you to only really participate in funding that which you find important. I mean, how, it's so easy to see. Um, it, I mean, in fact, it's just mind-boggling to me how easy it is to see. And then when I see, like an Eric Weinstein posted yesterday, um, well, I've been told that uh, tipping, that the tipping model works very well. You don't need big tech to make money with your podcast or whatever the hell he was talking about. He said, well, it took 90 days to get $100. This shit doesn't work. Uh, I, you know, like intellectually weak, bro. It's like if you go to church and no one ever said, okay, here's the, here's the, 
uh, here's the collection uh, plate, right? The, thank you. The collection plate. You wouldn't probably wouldn't give. You have to be asked. My wife is semi-retired uh, communications professional, C-suite level. She says the number one people, number one reason people don't give to charity is because they weren't asked by the charity. Uh, now you don't have to consider yourself charity. You can just explain the truth. Uh, I need to be. I need to get paid to do this. Um, the only way it's going to work is if you support me. If you don't, it'll go away. And I'll remind you tomorrow the same thing. And then people will make it easy, and people will do it. And if they don't like what you're doing, they stop. It's so honest. Every everything what you. And by the way, we disclose all the all the numbers. You can listen to the No Agenda Show, and we have a donation segment from 20 minutes to 40 minutes, depending on what's come in, how long the notes are. We try. We encourage people to keep them short. And we mention the numbers. That $10,000, I said, we mentioned that. Thank you very much. Oh, my God, $10,000. Did that stop anyone? Did anyone get pissed off? Those guys got enough. They don't need it. Surprisingly, no. No. I think there was one guy, he even registered a website, noagendanumbers.com or something. Like, look at these guys. Look at the money they're making. No one cared. Like, yeah, they deserve that. It was valuable. I like that. I gave my piece. They're doing good. It seems to work for everybody. We're not going to be billionaires. We're not going to be millionaires. We have a comfortable life. We can afford to uh, send our kids to school, uh, and uh, and we're enjoying our job. And the the trade off between uh, making a lot of money in broadcasting and being controlled versus being completely free, right down to whenever the heck I want to start for less money is unbelievably worth it. Just unbelievable. We have no meetings. We have no bullshit. We got no hotline with the PDs calling program director. We don't yeah. have to have uh, meetings with advertisers. No, instead we have meetups. We go meet the people who, who support us and we hang out and we drink and we smoke weed and we talk about uh, mushrooms and uh, politics and children and love and problems and solutions and freedom uh, and 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 nation, nationality uh, you know what it is to be an american or a european and these things are happening all over the world um that's that's living that's living running after the dollar is tiring you're right and you don't get a lot of complaints about it but when you do you get if you, there's going to be a troll for everything look at the money they're making or whatever um, a few years ago, I was getting ready to go on vacation and we had a troll that was very upset with us because, uh, I practiced ketogenic living and he was a vegan and he just wouldn't stop. And so I, I monetize trolls. So what I, I like <laughs> monetizing trolls, uh, right? That's a t-shirt, man. Hold on a second. I, I, I write that down. I monetize, I monetize trolls. Troll. God damn. That's great. Excuse me for. Yeah. No, it's fine. So I, here's what I did. Yeah, I, I like don't it. like to use God's name in vain. That's rude. I so monetize you, trolls. That's I monetize hilarious. trolls. So That's I'm stealing that from you. Go ahead. So it's, it's, okay. it's open source, right? So and I was. See if we John get no agenda shop to do a T-shirt. Cool. I uh, <laughs> I learned it from John Willis at, at SOE Tactical Gear. He monetizes trolls too. So this guy just wouldn't quit, and I'm finally like, you know what I'm going to do? Well, I'm on vacation the entire time. My membership price is half off. Anybody that wants it, discount code is bacon. But you have to agree <laughs> to eat an extra pound of bacon this week. And you have to give a gift of a pound of bacon to somebody else. So while I was, he, he nice. literally paid for my entire vacation, my fishing guide trips, 
my tour out to the island, my bar bill, everything except the hotel. Like I figured out he paid for my rental car, my bar, everything except the hotel. And be a troll. That's fine. And when you look at it like something you're doing, because that's just a direct payment, right? Like you could, you could, there's got to be an app for mod, like a troll monetization. There is, there is app. nothing, no, there's nothing more satisfying getting a boostergram like I just showed you with someone complaining or trolling. That's beautiful. That's like, excuse me, did you just send me money to troll me? And you know what? Both sides kind of like it. Yeah. It's very exciting. Like, <laughs> no, thank you, bitch. My- no, thank you. You know, and then, and, and the troll knows, like, he got it. He got the message. And I'm like, I'm like, beautiful. You you know the old saying, I live in your head rent free. Now you actually have them paying rent. It's not rent. You got to pay. It's not rent free anymore. (laughs) You're paying rent to troll. I mean, that's, that's true. How many people are watching, man? I'm, I'm on the stream yard. I don't know the YouTube or whatever. Is it all over there watching? Is the YouTube count is the only thing stream yard will show you. That's 104, but we're on Rumble. We're on Odyssey. We're on. Oh, good. So Excellent. it's probably four or five hundred right now live. It's not huge, but no, that's that's on me because hey, I screwed up our schedule. I don't schedule need four hundred people even. showing up at my house, so I'm I'm fine with this. Hello, hello, trolls. <laughs> hello, trolls. Uh, yeah, all the only comments we see stream in on the side are on YouTube, the YouTube comments and Facebook. We'll both stream in. Everybody else is RMTP. Are those super chats or are those just regular comments? Just regular chats. That's just a live chat rolling on both services. And, uh, we'll, we'll go through the one, the one, I always tell people put all caps in and then I star them and we can go back and see if there's any we want to comment on in a bit. I want to turn a little bit into the Bitcoin because I know you're a Bitcoin maxi. Uh, like I said, I'm a shitcoin minimalist. I, I, I used to call myself a maxi light. <laughs> Look, there's a great one. Troll sounds. <laughs> By the way, let me answer, uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas Reisner here. Okay, here Are micro payments considered fees, tips, gifts? Uh, is it a beneficial distinction? This is a very good question. So okay. first of all, um, when you ask for tips, you're going to get tips. Don't be an idiot. You know, I don't work for tips. Tips are extra. This is not tipping. This is value for value. So when uh, I can use the podcasting 2.0 or no agenda show or MoFax as an example, um, when we receive donations, we, we do call them donations, support, etc. Um, we, uh, that's income. We report that as income. We pay taxes over that as income. Uh, throughout the years, we've built a model that the IRS accepts, um, which is an LLC, uh, a pass-through LLC, but they do like this because it comes in in so many different forms, checks, Zelle, PayPal, whatever, Cash App. That all kind of melds together. Um, for the sender, it is not a tax-deductible gift. Um, it does fall Technically, in the U.S., now your your mileage will vary wherever you live under a gift. And you can really, I think you can give up the, I want to say, like anything under $1,000 is, is not really going to be a problem. But everyone's situation will be uh, the same. But, um, uh, and for many, I know who actually will send a note which advertises their little company or their you know, something they, they want to advertise, they may deduct that as a business expense. I don't know. On the receiving side, we report it all as income. Just note that's it. Uh, but most importantly, psychologically, you're asking for value for value. You're not asking for a gift. You're not asking for a tip. You're asking for someone to equal the scale. 
Mm-hmm. You you're watching me or you're listening to me, so clearly there's some value there. Otherwise, you're just brain dead. What are you doing? Uh, or maybe that has no value, and you just like to sit there and zone out. Fine. But if you're getting any value, just tell me what it is. So, the example we use a lot in the in the beginning is you go to a movie theater, you go into a movie, you take a date, you it's, it's about an hour and a half, two hours. Maybe you had a drink, some popcorn, fifty bucks. You just listened to this podcast for two hours. Was it worth 50 bucks? Were you just as entertained? Was it valuable? Was it not valuable? You know, maybe it was a shitty movie that we delivered, 25 bucks. I don't know. That's up to you. So the distinction here, again, is you have the, the technical legality of it, which would be different for everyone's situation. But most importantly, what is it? It's value for value. No, absolutely. And I mean, that's all been my pitch from day one of my listeners. If you want me to be here, you want me to not go away, then I need your support. Right. And I need you to exchange value with me. And I, I, I basically run a members program that most of my members that use it, they say four or 500 bucks a year because it's all in the sure. stuff that we talk about and it's 50 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I say if you, if you decide you hate me, but it works for you, you should probably stay a customer anyway, because you're basically punishing yourself financially to not, so I'm sure I have some troll customers. That's, 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 that's okay too. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, we, we can't work for free, right? We, not if you want the kind of content, we both do long content shows and I've been saying for years, cause we do a lot on entrepreneurship as well, right? Cause I think that's a huge part of lifestyle design, run your own thing. I don't care if it's a podcast. I don't care if it's an herbal business out of here. I don't care what it is. And what people need to understand in this day and age is it's actually not that hard to get people to give you money, assuming they have money. What's actually hard to get from people, and you're aware of this, I'm sure, is their time. To get somebody to spend an hour, two, three hours a day with you, five days a week, that means you really have to be delivering on what they want. And I think it's a very natural thing. And I think that's why we can do things that mainstream never will. I, I, I kind of laugh right now watching like every news show now has a podcast and it's not a fucking podcast, right? It's a fucking rebroadcast of their fucking bullshit, right? And they yeah. don't get like you have people coming on in the podcasting and they're huge. They're on, on cable TV and all they're paid tons of money. They put their podcast out. Nobody gives two shits because they don't understand the space that they're in at all. And that's why somebody can build a podcast on freaking, I don't know, Quidditch from freaking Harry Potter or on like, I know one guy built a, a really successful podcast on softball, like, and, and not like, Olympic or whatever it was more like apparently there's millions of people that play softball recreationally like in in work leagues. Oh no, stuff. don't yeah. don't say it's true. Not everything is professional and for money. What? Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? That sounds like humans. <laughs> yeah, I mean if I would have pitched what I'm doing now to a network back in 2005, they would have told me to go screw. You know, they they would have said there's no way this is a wide enough lane, but I I'm sure you're familiar with the 1000 true fans model. And to me, yeah. podcasting is the place for it. You know, it's a thousand people who will spend one day's wages a year on you and what you do. That's, mm-hmm. that's it. It's a very simple understanding came out of the music industry. Um, the way I look at that, it's, that's roughly three annual salaries. I don't need a hundred thousand. I don't need two hundred thousand. I need a thousand dedicated people. And you might have to do a hundred thousand, you know, net listeners to get that thousand that are just 100% dedicated to what you do. But if you pour it out every day, you can do it. And I think everybody out there, I don't care if it's podcasting. Again, I don't care what it is. If you're not building something for yourself, if you're not building your own enterprise today, you're basically risking your entire future, especially like you mentioned the millennials. 
If you're in your late 20s and you're planning on working a job for the rest of your life and retiring at 65, to me, you're committing you know, like financial su- uh, suicide in the future. People need to be building something for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, correct. Uh, and uh, the thousand fans model is it's it, I'll actually top top that a bit. It's easier to sustain a media property with a thousand people who pay something. Yeah. Uh, then a hundred thousand. Uh, now I can tell you from our own experience, um, the ratio, we started off probably about 1% would actually, uh, support financially. Now that doesn't all support is quite high. Uh, you can hit people in the mouth that that is our code for turning <laughs> them onto the show. Uh, you can propagate the formula, also a version of it. You can, um, uh, uh, maintain a website or, the, my favorite, and that's really um, when you say about understanding the space, when it comes to shows that, um, in our case, because, you know, I, again, to me, podcasting is, if you got a, something in an RSS feed, you're good to go. I don't give a shit you're podcasting. Doesn't, mm-hmm. I don't care what the content is. Um, uh, why do people like No Agenda so much is because the, the only thing I'm I'm really good at is picking the hits, whether it's technology, music, ideas. I may but now I'm often early, but or too early, certainly to monetize because uh, I've I've never I've never hit the big exit, uh, and and I'm quite happy about it in hindsight. As I'm now 57, I'm like, okay, it's good. I know what it takes for a big exit and what comes with it. Um, now we've probably. We're closer to four and a half to five percent, uh, and of course, our audience size has also grown significantly. But overall, support where people are sending me what they think is important. Here's a story that I think is important. What's really cool is when we bring up a story, and uh, a lot of our people are what I would call the physicals. You have the virtuals and the physicals, and you have this one group of the virtuals who are the pajama brigade. These are people who are outraged that the truckers are honking their horn. I'm just going to say it. That these right. so, and they're yeah. mad at the physicals. And the physicals, even though I'm a virtual myself, I come from a very physical world, a very physical family and background. Um, the physicals are annoying. Um, that's why we want driverless trucks, driverless cars, pilotless airplanes. We want doctors that aren't working in a hospital. We want telemedicine. We want medication that doses you automatically and monitors you and sends it to Dr. Bill or whatever the fuck is going on. This is, and by the way, I don't want that, but that's what, there's a big push from the technocrats and people who want, you know, some kind of, you know, mm, transhumanist uh, world that we'll live in where all of these annoying people uh, are based and nurses too, uh, teachers are a fucking annoyance to them. So when you have them, in direct contact with you, we knew what was going on with this whole pandemic and with lack of treatment and incorrect ventilation. We knew this very early on because the people doing it, being told to do it, were telling us. Everybody is an expert in at least one thing. It could be scratching your nuts watching reruns of Friends, but you'll know when it comes up and you're going to tell me you were wrong or here's more insight or here's something to look at. And that's what makes our show successful because we are we are the the producers produce us 
By the way, I also get to yell at producers because they're producers. So if someone sends me an email with a screenshot of a story and there's no link to the story, I'm going to yell at you. Say, what are you doing? You're, that's not what a, you're not producing. Give me the link. You're a headline reader. You know, and, and what's interesting, people will actually take that, apologize and usually donate with a note to say they're sorry and how they're going to do it better. Well, because they gotta, know we have to start keep this going. I got to start oh, yelling, yelling at, at people is great. If it's going to come also, with money. <laughs> yes. And I always say, well, don't hate that. money. Apparently I'm hating money. I'm doing it wrong. Well, no, this is, this is, yeah. Well, there's a lot to learn. You said something really powerful, man. So I monetize trolls. I mean, this is, this is mind boggling. What a, it's so true. Cause a troll can be a friendly troll that just says, oh, you're full of shit. You're wrong about this. Here's what's really going on. That's a friendly troll. That's someone who is, you know, you're trolling along. And you may be using triggering language, but how can I be mad at you if you just sent me money to tell me that? I can't be mad. I, I, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll I'll be better. I, how can you, I actually would like to build into it. I like to refund people. I mean, this is I, I've done this on PayPal for many many years. If someone's like me, me, I I hate the show. I'm unsubscribing. Oh blah God, blah blah. I say, say how much have you donated? Fifty bucks. Okay, give me your PayPal. I send it back right away. Oh my God, we're the same person, Adam. I've done that. I've had people like. Sure. I've had people like you know. After all my years of supporting you, and I'll look them up in the database, and I'm like, you were a member for one year, and I'll do it publicly. Like you were a member for one year on a sale price, and I just sent you your twenty five bucks back. Yeah. Now you're fired yeah. as a customer. Go somewhere else. Yeah. No, I mean, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I had a bad experience. And by the way, yeah. you know, it's, I should only be giving half because Dvorak gets half, but I'll pay the full thing just to clear the air. I got no problem. If, if you don't get the value and you're pissed off, I'd be happy to refund you your money because I'm just like the guy at the store. I want you to go away and say, okay, I didn't like his product, but he was straight up with me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about more, maybe some Bitcoin stuff in general. And I know your time's valuable. So I don't know how long you have, but, um, I appreciate you being here with me this long already. I figured uh, two hours is what you need from me. That seems like the okay. length of your shows. So Fair I can enough. do another half hour is fine. Fair enough. In the Bitcoin world, I'm sure you're aware of like what Mike Saylor's doing. And I think he's been a great ambassador for us personally. Yeah. I don't know if you agree or not. One of his concepts, and I'm, I'm really interested to see this play out eventually. And I think it might be really valuable for people like you and myself and, and, and listeners who do the same thing that we, we hold and we hold long and we're like, I'm not getting rid of my Bitcoin. If it comes in as Bitcoin, it stays in Bitcoin. It's the idea that eventually we'll be able to basically borrow fiat against bit collateralized Bitcoin and do that almost infinitely the way, so the same way people do with uh, appreciating real estate. Now, have you put any thought into that? Um, lots of thought. Um, I, I, I'm always encouraging everyone who does stuff that I interact with right down to the propane guys. Like, Hey man, can I pay you in Bitcoin? You know, it's like, you want to, you want to talk about this? I haven't convinced uh, a lot, but, um, what, you know, this freedom convoy was an interesting example of, uh, of how we still need a lot of boots on the ground type work as we, un as we get the circular economy kind of running. So, it, it, this is this is why um, podcasting 2.0 value for value streaming payments is incredibly valuable to Bitcoin because it is a circular economy. I am receiving satoshis. 
I take those Satoshis, put them into a wallet, and I boost other podcasts with it. Those podcasts, um, they're taking it. They may take a piece and um, and loop it out through bit refill, get an Amazon card. I mean, you can basically you can turn it into to money. Um, but I like the idea that many will then use that, purchase uh, a Raspberry Pi with Bitcoin. You see, we're kind of we are kind of using it in this little microcosm of an of an economy. Um, I don't know if it was, it was Gigi or if it was Max who said. It's kind of the way to live is, you know, stack everything in sats. And of course, sometimes you need fiat fund coupons. So, you know, there's multiple ways you can, you know, turn your, your Bitcoin into fiat for the things that are absolutely necessary while we continue to do things with Bitcoin wherever we can. And that's kind of the, the world I'm living in. And I'm seeing more and more and more of the things I consume. Uh, I can now purchase with Bitcoin, the most recent and most exciting being the Beef Initiative, uh, which is set up by Texas Slim, my buddy from the Panhandle. Um, tech, and he came out of uh, semi-retirement because he he saw a version of what I was seeing. I'm seeing uh, a very disillusioned age group of older millennials uh, who feel totally fucked um, because they were born around the, the first Gulf War, uh, so they lived through that. Then there was 9-11, very scary time for any 9- or 10-year-old, uh, for any 40-year-old. Um, then we had anthrax attacks, and then we went into the wrong country, and then uh, don't worry, you need this college degree, and then we had the financial collapse, and don't worry, the money's going to, we're going we're gonna to fix it all, and everyone wound up with $13 an hour, $13 an hour jobs with $100,000 in debt and, the, and a dead end, and they're fucking pissed. And so a, a large group, <coughs> Bitcoiners, <coughs> excuse me, they've said, no, no, we're not going to let you devalue our money by 7.5% a year with inflation. We're going to do something about it. We want to fix the money, and we, and, we're, and we have nothing to lose is what I hear. We got fucking nothing to lose. So uh, these are uh, the people that uh, Slim saw becoming very unhealthy and not having what he calls food intelligence. Um, and it starts with seed oil, all oils from seed and how destructive that is to your body and oh, how God. psyops have been run on the the public uh, to eat unhealthy food, the uh, impossible meat, the the infrastructure of food with the, with the processors who are definitely moving more towards plant-based protein that looks like animal protein, bug protein, um, I'm not saying that all of these are bad ideas, but um, and when Slim reached out to me, he said, I want to help the same group of people, uh, but I want them to get to know their rancher, and I want them to understand where the beef comes from and what the, what the cattle is eating. And uh, very compelling, he said, let's look at all these pictures. He is a sixth-generation Texan or maybe more. Look at these pictures of my grandparents. How do they look? Do they look obese? They look, uh, they look weathered. Are they healthy though? Yeah. Why? Because they ate, ate beef and it was, it was good and it wasn't, and the, and the cattle weren't eating Monsanto grass and all this shit. And so he saw the same opportunity and set up the beef initiative, which connects people and retailers to, uh, with the rancher getting the beef directly from the rancher and paying in Bitcoin. 
Come on now. You love it. I love it. And, and it's, and it's that it's, it's not really explainable. I'm not a psych. My sister is actually doing her, her thesis right now in this technological psychology shit. And she's, she helps me a lot understand how it works in the brain. But when you have this connecting network that is Bitcoin in this case, it becomes special somehow. And you have it. And you know, I bought seven, eight, I bought a quarter cow, like $800 worth of, of cow. But I also spent an hour with Cole and he drove me out in his 150 and F-150. And we drove out and we met all the cows and the cows came up, went, you know, and I was like, fuck, you look tasty. I'll talk to you in, in, in 12 months. You know, then the bulls show up and, you know, he said, this is this bull and this bull. And um, when we had our first burger, uh, you know, because they give you a whole selection of stuff, the difference Mm-hmm. In just in just the patty itself, and you know we've had butcher box and all these kind of things, but it's bullshit. Once you and and somehow the honesty of uh, Cole and Michael who are raising these cows with love um, and with respect and dedication, and uh, it's it's this cycle of life, and it's going through this process and coming into me, and I felt it. And I and I know that no other shithead was in between that transaction. My Bitcoin went straight to those guys, and their beef went straight into my system and my family. This is living, brother. This is the and you know what? It's cheaper too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't I didn't know you were so big into like kind of the the Regen Ag direct source food market. I'm glad to hear only that. because I keep my ears open and and yeah. and, and, and Texas. I mean. My wife and I have always been healthy eaters. Uh, in fact, you know, I have to work to keep weight on and to gain weight because uh, I have a psychological thing where I forget to eat or don't want to eat. You know, <laughs> I got to be reminded to eat curry. Eat, um, but then you know, why not? I mean, I, I we have our own well. We have a aerobic septic tank, so it requires no scooping out. It's a beautiful invention from the swamps of America. Uh, it's, you know, it, it basically my shit spews back out over the land <laughs> in clean form and the grass is happy. Uh, we have a whole house generator. You know, we have, uh, sources of food. We have good friends. We have, uh, an Akbash dog, uh, that guards us. Uh, we have, uh, weapons, ammo. Not that I'm expecting anything, uh, terrible to happen, but I have a lot of peace of mind. Well, that, I didn't, I didn't know all that. I mean, that's what I've talked about with prepping from the very beginning. It does give you peace of mind. People say, you know, you're doing it because you're afraid. And I'm like, no, I'm doing it so I don't have to be. But it's I, also, I, it's also, um, we may, uh, you know, cause we're preppers, but we need to yeah. prep for the right things. Yeah. This, this is, people are prepping, you know, when they think prepper, look, I happen to also be a ham radio operator. I have my general license. I've got, um, I can do, uh, 40 meters, 80 meters, 20 meters, 10, uh, 10 meters, 20 is what I'm on most of the time. I can do PSK. I can do JT65. I can do FT8, all the digital modes, low power, high power. I participate in the field days. I can string up a dipole and blast, you know, uh, a kilowatt if I have to. I got it all. I can also do r- repeaters, all of this shit. I got it all. That's not important. What's important is Who's my neighbor? Um, what does my neighbor do? How can I assist my neighbor? How can they help me in an emergency? Um, where do I get my food from? 
who is supplying it, what what are what is their background. Um, you know, these are the very simple things. And I just have a huge distrust of uh, not the actual electric grid itself, but how it's being – the Enron people never left. They just went to grids everywhere, and they're still fucking us with their trading schemes, and that's what happened last year in uh, in Texas, not not some other bullshit thing. Um, so, you know, the like a dog, like literally get a knife, you know. Carry yeah. a knife. Understand how to use a knife. The knife is a very effective tool for a lot of things. Carry a knife. You know, these are these are small things that will really help you survive. And we're not we're not going to have a civil war. I'm not I'm not thinking that. If something really happens, we're going to be dealing with a large population of uh, homeless people uh, who have who are very proficient at surviving don't need shit to survive but if they get angry if they're mismanaged which i see happening everywhere you know then you can have like a full scale zombie attack and i hate i hate to have to talk about my fellow citizens that way um and i have done as much as and continue to do as much as i can supporting programs that work certainly in austin the mobile loaves and fishes uh, community first village um, where they really help people uh, sustain themselves inside a community uh, without guns or guards or anything like that, but community. Um, but the way it's failing right now across the board, like, you know, bigger cities, uh, that's the shit that's going to gonna come down. And there's going to be no one. There's going to be no cops to protect you unless you're rich and you have a private force because cops don't want to work anymore. And can you blame them? Um, who are you going to, when you're sick, where are you going? Now you're going to go to the hospital where they kill you. Literally they've killed people and by protocol. No, by CDC I've been branding on this since the beginning of the shit. And when this happened, it opened up a whole Pandora's box. So this isn't new. Like the, the research I've done since then, they've been doing this kind of shit a long time. This just made it where it was everybody's problem and everybody had visibility into it. It, it's the same formula. I mean, we would go off on another two-hour tangent. Let's if talk we- about schooling. Let's talk about schooling. This is another one. So, by the way, the virtuals lost that one. Hey, we'll just educate your kids through Zoom. It'll be fine. No, no, no. Um, so, uh, to bring it all full circle, um, we're seeing doctors leave the system and nurses, and they're mm-hmm. using off-the-shelf technology for scheduling office visits is called concierge medicine. They're only serving their community. They charge you a reasonable subscription fee, as many visits as you need for your entire family. We're seeing schooling changing right before our very eyes. You know, a lot of it will manifest itself in charter schools, which have issues as well. Um, but homeschooling, alternative types of schooling uh, is being created as we speak, as we speak. This is fantastic, and it's off-the-shelf technology. Anybody can do it. Um, but, you know, freedom always requires a little extra work, an extra step here or there, because it wasn't made easy for you by some centralized system or service. You know, you say the virtuals lost that, but I think it's like the virtuals that we saw out of the schools lost it because parents got to see that not all teachers were heroes that didn't wear capes. They got to see what was actually being done to their children. Uh, for me, it was a benefit because I really wanted to, to take on homeschooling my grandchildren and my son and his wife were really 
not totally on board and they're their kids. I can't make them do it. Well, when COVID hit and we had to do homeschooling inside the state system for a few months, I was like, why don't we just keep doing this? See how much we're happy they are. And we use a program called Excellus University. And the guy that invented his name, Roger Billings, he invented gigabit ethernet. He did like the five oh, heard of him. Sure. Yeah. Sure. He's an awesome sure. dude. And they're thriving with this, but it's because they're not trying to make every teacher have a Zoom classroom. They take the best teachers, they package the lessons, and then if the kid has problems, there's you know, like uh, automated assistance. And then if you still need help, then you can reach out and have a teacher help you. So that makes leveraging the effort of the best teachers scalable. And I, they went from something, they grew like a million students between the beginning of COVID and now. And I think there's 6 million students in 6 million homeschool students in North America, right? Or in the United States right now. Sure. So they're like, it's like a sixth of the freaking kids that are doing mm-hmm. this now are using either them mm-hmm. directly. They have what you can do it for free or they have what we do. We pay a small amount every month and they get a transcript sure. and all that out of it. Like, like they, they so just, the homeschooling community in America has always been very, very strong and rich. Uh, and it's only gotten better. Um, but also in the United States, we've seen a shift. Um, we've seen mama bears appear. Mm-hmm. Uh, mama bears went, you know what? No, fuck this shit. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not, not gonna stand for it. Not with my kids. Not with, not any of that shit. And they're very protective and they're looking for alternatives. And this is why things are happening and things are popping up. We, we need to sadly build alternative systems around what is going on because COVID-19 I think just the prequel, um, you know, what I see happening to our brothers and sisters in Canada is shocking, shocking. Uh, I saw, I grew up in Amsterdam. I saw women and children being beaten by riot police for a protest. Holland, what? I, I, what? This, this does not compute. So, no. um, so we, this is, we're in resistance. Um, we've been in it for a long time. Bitcoin is the very slow, loving, peaceful resistance. Um, and so when you talk about Michael Saylor and, and people like this, uh, they're important because they are trapping everybody else. They're trapping the, uh, the elites into it, um, uh, because of greed and it's beautiful. And so bring them on, bring them all in, trap them, trap them, trap them, trap them. Because ultimately, you know, they, they, it's going to be too valuable for them to want to never let go of it. Let go of it, make it difficult, etc. Yeah, um, and and we and there's one other thing that I've been thinking about more, um, because as we move through this first phase of follow the science, words matter. Follow the science. Uh, you follow the leader. You follow Jesus, uh, you follow uh, Muhammad, you know, you follow and worship things. And as we move into the next phase, which will be um, the biggest scam uh, that will be perpetrated, uh, where we have this convergence of climate change fear, uh, which I think is certainly overhyped, uh, guilt, Carbon usage and carbon is very loose because is it carbon or carbon dioxide? Fuck it. We'll just use carbon. The idiots won't know. Um, the ESG that these companies that are now trapped by 
fuckface fink and uh, BlackRock, uh, which means that you have to go along with the environmental social governance goals. You have to go along with the climate change, the greening. You have to go along with social justice. Um, uh, all of this is leading to a worshiping of science, uh, which I think is at the root of a lot of our problems. And I myself, I have to say that when I look at what happened, all of this evil, this is not just a plan by a few people. This is evil. And if you, oh, it is. if you see evil and you say that shit's evil, then I intellectually have to believe in God. There, ha- the evil must be doing this against some force that is God, love, universe, whatever it is. And I've been seriously considering my faith. I've never been a churchgoer. I mean, I grew up Unitarian, which is like, like, it's really weird. <laughs> I have stories about that. Uh, I was baptized, but and a lot of my family uh, are believers and a lot of them aren't. Uh, some are pure atheists. And I've just always kind of copped out by saying, ah, oh, the universe provides, which the universe does provide. But I have so many people around me who are believers, um, and, uh, and believe in Jesus, believe in God that, uh, I find myself thinking about it a lot more. Maybe you're like me and you just don't know it. Maybe you're a deist. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I know mean, a lot of things. I don't know about I that. Know when I first learned about deism, I'm like, Oh, that's what I am. There's I don't know. A maybe, something, maybe. But you know, I don't know that we know exactly what it is. I, it, it's, it's a, it's a tiny minority. Like it's, there's, there's way less deists than there are atheists. Um, there's way more Christians than there are deists. Like there's, it's, so maybe well, we're, maybe we're wrong, but to me it makes sense no matter, that there's something. Yeah, well, I, I like the idea of believing in something a little more intangible than climate change and the solutions yeah. provided, or or the science, because the science fucked a lot of people bad this last time around. And you how know, much the of the science, science is now being told was never right in the first place, even though it was settled and not to be corrected? To me, like. The worst. I mean, that's me, Adam. Like, so when I was in sixth fucking grade, I learned the scientific method, right? Sixth fucking grade science class, you sure. learn the science, the basic scientific method, and then to have somebody say you can't question it, like you're going, you're going against even sixth grade fucking basic mechanics of science. I had out for a year and a half an open challenge to debate any doctor or scientist. <laughs> on, here, we'll get banned again on the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine. Up to the point where they could have two assistants, they got double the time. Like I stacked the deck totally against myself. And I'm like, I'm just a redneck hippie duck farmer, right? Podcaster. Like if I'm wrong about this, then surely somebody out there will be able to do it. And I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Kirsch, but he's got like millions put up to debate any of this shit. None of these people will step up and debate this. How do you have fucking science without rigorous academic debate? Though if you don't have those two things in the same room, whatever you have is not fucking science. These assholes have made science into an authority. And an institution versus a fucking error detecting process. That's what fucking science is supposed to be. Well, they have done nothing. We have allowed this to happen to ourselves. Agreed. We Agreed. have allowed by uh, false prophets um, and by um, uh, psychological warfare. Uh, this is this is what this is what media is. It is. Always psychological warfare. It is all, this is where my family comes from. They come from military and intelligence 
and it's all about what's in the media. And the real battle here is you have the elite messaging system, which has been in place for decades and decades, has worked quite well. In fact, it used to be really easy. You just had to do an interview with CBS uh, Evening News, uh, the New York Times, maybe Washington Post, International Herald Tribune, and your message was God's message. That's the message, and that's what's going out, and everyone knew it. And then, I mean, really what broke that is uh, President Trump. He broke it. He said, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not going through your messaging system. I'm going through this messaging system, which was Twitter. So that's why he had to go. And when they saw the power of Trump on Twitter, well, everything has to go. And uh, look at the articles about how problematic podcasting is. Well, it can't go. And that's why we need to reject legacy apps like Apple and Spotify. Don't get trapped in that because you wake up one day and your favorite podcast is not going to be on there and you're going to be scrambling now, you'll go to newpodcastapps.com eventually, and you'll find an app that you like that will provide you access and features and, monet- and ways to monetize trolls. Um, and, 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 you know, but let's get it set up now and, and be ready for, for all of that because they cannot stand it. And I use they in a very literal sense, uh, the elites who have always used the mainstream media to communicate their message, typically through the use of former intelligence people, government-issued uh, mouthpieces, uh, and they just end sources and all. It's, it's, a, it's bullshit, and everyone's onto it. Fake news is now a worldwide phenomenon, and uh, we're in a very confused state of what is real. Um, and I would say that in the past two years, podcasts have done a very important job um, where, and I'll ask you the same thing I've asked everybody else, and I know the answer. I, I'm sure you have received at least one, but maybe a thousand emails that go something like this. Jack, thank you for your podcast. It literally kept me sane during this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Thousands. Thousands See, of variations of that. Now, that is very annoying to the people who are supposed to make you Feel warm and fuzzy or really anxious and scary and are, are paid to do this through PSYOP. Uh, and the algos on social media are a part of it. So this is all very unhealthy. So when people tune into a podcast and it helps them realize that, oh, I'm not the only crazy fucker. Look at this guy. He's a fucking redneck duck farmer. I just heard him say it. But he and him and this chat and these people, they make me feel good about life, myself, etc. How can that not be a valuable product? How can that not be valuable in this world where we are just being crushed with with information that is weaponized? Yeah, that's a good transition. Let's hit a few of these before you got to go on. Uh, got people it, who have been all capping. Because um, <laughs> they're, they're anxious when they're all capping. Yeah, well, I tell them to do that when we're rolling through, and I star yeah. them so I can go back and pull them out, like so okay. I can see them. I don't have to read them; I can just hit star while while we're oh. talking. Okay. Uh, so Grumpy Green Guy says, "Need to set up a no agenda meetup 
at Float Fest that is happening not too far from Adam. I'm not sure if you know about Float Fest. Yes, uh, I know all about there. floating in a river of vomit. Yes, I'm no, 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 no. Float, float the app, not float the river. Oh, okay, float the app. I don't know what float the. Well, okay, this is something important. The meetups are in-person events. Yeah, these are not virtual events. No, this is in person. Okay, good. This is the company float f l o t e dot app doing a great big kind of like Lollapalooza type festival down in Central Texas. And we'd love to have you come out, or at least some well, of your people come out. It's, well, so what what typically happens is there will be a meetup uh, organized at Float Fest, and anyone who uh, is going to be there and would like to organize it can go to noagendameetups.com. You can you can schedule that meetup. It gets promoted on the show. Uh, hopefully, you'll send us a meetup report, which I we sometimes we have four or five. It's like a minute long, and people all say hi and what they talked about and, um, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, if I can, if it's on a day I can make it, of course I'll be there. I love meetups. I, I, love, I love hugging TV. people. <laughs> you could pop in for for one day if you want to. It's like a week long. I still have to have my wife get my schedule together. So I know when I'm going to be down there, but yeah, uh, someone it's, I'm, I guarantee you if, if not already, well, let me take a look right now. I bet you someone's already scheduled to meet up. Uh, no agenda meetups.com. What do you know the date? Uh, March, April. It's end of March, beginning of April. Okay. Uh, so. I've agreed to go, so of course I don't know the date. <laughs> Why would you? Why would I? Uh, but Float is like a social media app built on blockchain, has integrated Bitcoin tipping. Oh, really? Yeah, they're badass. Uh, the F- owners F- were just F-L-O-T-E. here at that workshop. F L O T E dot app. Yeah. Cool. You guys got Does it work on Graphene OS or do you need to have? Uh... I have no idea. It's browser based. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, I don't see. I don't see anything. Just, they actually just had a. They, they had a Google app, and uh, Google asked them to censor shit. So Kingsley and Aaron told them to go fuck themselves. And like they're like, we're not even going to put any effort into building apps. We're just going to stay browser based. Now, does this uh, does this require a shit to- a shitcoin token? No, it does not require a shitcoin. Nice. Token. Now they are going to have a shitcoin of their own at some point, but you don't have. Why to- wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Social media media. Okay, I'll get I'll get on float. I'll check this out. Yeah, Social check it media. out, man. That'd be great. I mean, so um, this, this is another. Again, this is one of these cool things. Like, here's all this new stuff that is, you know, I don't know the story about float. Doesn't seem like it's a venture funded thing is this just a thing that people are doing no, or they, is just, this... they actually do have some vc money behind them okay. uh, but it's just basically two libertarians decided we're doing things differently and uh i'll check it out yeah yeah here's For another sure. question here's another question k bonk what excites adam at the moment about the future of web3 that's not realized yet well what we're doing as we talked earlier web3 is just bullshit i mean it's whenever someone says web3 they walk away uh, because what we're doing now is we are decentralizing and monetizing at the same time. That's that's what the the venture capital promise of Web three is. Uh, so to me, it's just exciting to see more and more people uh, understand and find the alternative methods uh, and start to adopt them and use them for uh, fun and prizes, uh, but also for love and community and connectiveness and 
not necessarily for gaming. Basically, like social media is just, you know, gaming. Except when you die, you know, maybe Twitter will let you give you another life. You know, two, you get two strikes on YouTube. That's two of your lives gone. You know, it's like in the game, it's a silly game. It'll be over. And then, you will then everyone will come to all the alternative things. And with alternative, that's not rumble. It's not odyssey. No, no. You know, it's not. These are the more, just more shit you can get kicked off of eventually. Um, I'm a little bullish about truthsocial.com because it appears that it may be built on Pleroma, which would mean there would be Federation, uh, which would mean, I don't know. It might mean that, you know, the Trump social network thing is, is going to really be beneficial for a decentralized communication. It would certainly be a behemoth. Um, I'm also very excited about things like Project Greenlight from Blockstream for Sea Lightning, where uh, we'll be able to have non-custodial wallets uh, that you can program with a simple API. Will be so we can basically put money into anything. You know, I mean, like my vape. You know, it's like I should be able to click this vape and send a sat to the guy who made it. Yeah, especially if you're really Ooh. enjoying like something really nice at the moment. Like, hey, I just feel good now, so I'm going to send this guy. Or just have it every puff I take. I mean, I'm registers. It registers how many puffs. It registers how long. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't I pay for my vape juice like this? Jeremy over at Vapealicious here in Fredericksburg, uh, he he'd probably think it was cool. You know, like once you once you think about programmable money, it becomes so fun. There's so much fun stuff we can do. Uh, another question we have is about a lightning education book. I don't know if there's a book. I'm not big on books much anymore unless it's for recreational purposes. But do you have any, like, resources you'd recommend for people to learn more about lightning? What I would recommend is grab an old laptop or an old computer. Everyone has some piece of shit laying around somewhere. Put Ubuntu on it. It'll work on pretty much any hardware, and it'll run decently, better than your Windows. Uh, and go to getumbral.com and uh, install Umbral. It gives you a full note. You will need at least a terabyte hard drive. You might have one internal. You can get a, a solid-state USB external drive. Uh, you know, learn how to install something on Linux. Not that hard. It's, it's actually improved quite well. I mean, Linux is a success story of our time. Um, I use it almost exclusively, except where I really can't. Um, and and uh, and take a look at it. You know, that's the best way to learn and learn learn about channels. You're going to have to do some work. There's not real. I'm not, I, I love books. I read lots of books. Uh, when I want to get something done, I just grab the software, grab a machine and, and go like a bull through a china shop until I can get it working. There's lots of people online who'd be more than happy to help you set something up. There's lots of groups, telegram groups. I mean, you can even go to Stack Exchange and get some simple answer, answers for stuff. So there's not really a, a book I can recommend, but it's so, Cost effective to try it out, and it doesn't, you know. And don't, don't worry about screwing it up. Like when you first fund your first lightning node, put a little bit of buck, you know, twenty bucks on both sides of it. If you fuck it up and lose it, whatever. Like there's a cost of learning, right? You know, like the reason yeah. kids go so fast on computers, they just start fucking with shit till it works, that's, right? And I think we lose as we get older. We get way too cautious. 
Like be and cautious there, and there when you're is, playing with traffic, but not yeah, because you know, it's all decentralized. You have to go through these steps. There's not a website you can go to that says "Give me lightning." It's just no. not. There's not a book that says "Read this and you're lightning." No, you've got <laughs> to. You've got to do some work. I'm a VJ. Okay, I'm interested in stuff. I think I'm pretty intelligent, but I'm not a programmer. I'm not a sysadmin guy. I just broke a lot of stuff a lot of times until I figured it out. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So we got one more, and we'll let you go there, Adam. Uh, you mentioned we mentioned books, so I, I figured I'll pull this one up. What books are you two reading or could recommend? Diamond doesn't question, but I'm curious. What am I reading right now? Yeah, what are you reading right now? Uh, right now, I'm actually reading Glenn Beck's Great Reset. Uh, and the reason is he's asked me to be on his show March 1st, I think. Uh, and uh, it's about ESG, and etc. And so I've been reading his book. Actually, it came in. They, it, he kindly sent me his book. My wife immediately took it uh, and read it within like three days and highlighted a whole bunch of shit. So I have like a super cliff notes now. I can I can blow through it. Um, so that's, that's really what I'm, what I'm reading. I find myself, uh, reading longer sub stacks often. Um, and you know, uh, I've actually been reading Naomi Klein, uh, Naomi Wolf, sorry, wrong Naomi, uh, who's been writing some very interesting, you know, she's a super lefty liberal and she has been outcast from, uh, the liberal left, uh, oh, for her. When the, when the, when the, they're the best, a, le, a leftist who the left mm-hmm. turns on, they are like one of the best sources you can find. Uh, I find her writing very enlightening, very exciting, uh, beautiful to see. Um, so that kind of stuff, you know, uh, I've read most of the classics, all the things yeah. you know, I've read, you know, if anyone hasn't read the, the ones you really need are 1984, Brave New World, Animal Farm, um, shit, Atlas Shrugged. Read Atlas Shrugged. It'll take you a month, but you, you I, I've not actually read Fountainhead. It's I, shorter. I, I, it's maybe an easier entry into that world for people, you know. Oh, uh, no doubt. You know, but I, when I read uh, Atlas Shrugged and it, it, and I read the hardcover and it took me a month and I was like, this is the best love story I've ever, I've ever read. It's Hank and Dagny. It's a love story of epic proportion, but also this was, I read this right around the time when, Obama was, you know, oh, high speed rail everywhere, trains good, planes bad. You won't have to take off your shoes, which turned out to be bullshit. If you remember the Viper teams, yeah. like TSA right away went, oh yeah, no way, Obama, we got to check everyone for for bombs on the trains. Um, which of course the whole book is really about, you know, the industrial world in this in this setting. Um, so these are these are foundational books for me. Um. Nothing else at the moment, really. Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer that one too since it was thrown at both of us. Right now, um, at night, I read something that has nothing to do with what's going on. I do this shit all day, every day, and I need something to decouple from. I'm reading one of Dan Brown's very earlier, early books before he did Da Vinci Code and all that called Digital Fortress, and it's probably one of the best he's ever done. I'm rewriting. That's all on cryptography and things like that. Um, if, if I was going to say some core books to go read that I think really can open up people's minds, Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson combined to write a Illuminatus trilogy, which is all conspiracy and trippy and bouncing all over the place. 
I read, I reread that once in a while and it's like a Bible. It takes a while to get through it. But like every conspiracy theory you can think of that existed by the time that that book came out is wrapped into it. And then there's a ton of stuff that's been pulled out by like Hollywood and what all, if you remember the, uh, I think it was called Sequest with the talking dolphin and all that shit. They pulled yeah. it off right out of that, right out of that book. Really? And, and the one I'm re- I'm going through right now, I'm actually doing on Audible because I, I can't sit down and read it because it is so disturbing and I'm biting it off in 15, 20 minutes on, you know, Audible listening is, uh, Robert Kennedy's, uh, real Anthony Fauci. And that. Oh, oh well, we oh both, my, my wife and I both read this. Yes. Yes. That, that's, it, I, I thank you for bringing that up. That's a great book. That, that is the most eye-opening pattern recognition thing you can do. And when you, you know, I didn't know if you'd read it or not, but once you read that, like, you can't believe anything these motherfuckers say ever again, ever. Well, also, I, I, very early on, I lost friends during the AIDS uh, crisis and, uh, and I, I met Fauci and, uh, and I, I, all the people, I was in the Hollywood kind of set at the time, you know, it was like the big celebrity auctions, uh, you know, Billie Jean King, Michael Jackson. Um, the AIDS Project Los Angeles. Um, and once I really started delving into the bullshit and what was really killing people, because it was AZT that was killing people. Yes. You know, and, and this was Anthony Fauci. And you can go back and read the Village Voice. Michael Musto wrote a scathing, scathing front page piece where he just said, basically, fuck you, you Fauci, you killer. And we've forgotten all that and that, that you know, we can't bring that. But it was really a precursor to what we just lived through. With the same type of results and, and medical malpractice in, in my opinion, but also it shows how captured the industry is. The amount of doctors and nurses I, I get emails from who say, well, I, I literally can't, I I'm literally can't do anything. I can yeah, only yeah. do this. I'm being told to do this and it's either this or no job. So most of these people left their jobs. Uh, one other book I would, uh, I would recommend. Uh, since we we're all talking about the metaverse and I owned metaverse.com years and years and years ago, uh, is Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Uh, that is what the future of Mark Zuckerberg or Mark Zuckerberg's imagined future is, is the, is the metaverse from that book. So go read it. Um, uh, and learn how to code because if you can't oh, yeah. code and the metaverse becomes life, you got a fucking problem. Agreed, or or agreed. make friends with people who know how to code. You know, and you mentioned that that article in Village Voice. If you remember that was in that article, he quotes Pelosi, who oh, basically yeah. called out Fauci oh, yeah. on the floor of the Congress yeah. and knew exactly what he was. Like knew exactly that, that there were two drugs. I don't remember what they were called, but they were very very effective in early treatment. And she asked him, "Shit, man, vitamin C was effective." Yeah, vitamin C. Yeah. It's it's a it's like the same thing all over again. But she asked him, "What would you do if you had if you had AIDS right now?" And he said, "I'd probably go to the street and take those two drugs." And then now he's gone. Now, so if, if anybody doesn't think this is just a game, I, I don't know what else to say. But uh, dude, it's a, this has been a great thing having you on my show. Um, we'll we'll turn fourteen year old fourteen years old as a podcast this uh, June. Wow! Uh, congratulations! How there. many episodes? Uh, this is 3037 today. Ooh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done. We do, we do five a day, uh, f- five a day, five, five a week, week. five mm-hmm. a week. Uh, except when I'm gone, I do rewinds and I, I give them their own numer- numerical thing. So I take old right. shows and redo them when I'm like last week when I was off hanging out with people. Man, thank you so much for being here today. Tell people how to learn more about you. Not that they don't know already, but tell them anyway. 
Um, well, the, the, the place to really get a hold of me is, uh, podcastindex.social and that's a Mastodon server. So you could, if you're on Mastodon, you can just follow me, Adam at podcastindex.social. I'm on Twitter, but I really use that as an inbox of shit. So, you know, that's not real or like I DM'd you out of desperation. Uh, but that, that's, that's about it. Uh, and otherwise, um, uh, go have a look at newpodcastapps.com where you can find uh, modern podcast apps. You can sort it by features, by OS, and also if you are a podcaster, you can find which hosting companies provide which features. And above all, um, support your favorite podcasters. Support them. And thank you, VR, for asking me. Uh, today was day 14 of COVID. Uh, I had not had it. I uh, start feeling pretty good about three days ago. My wife now has it, of course, uh, but then uh, we'll both be happy because according to Dr. Bill, we heard him say at the Munich Security Conference, sadly, Omicron acts like a vaccine and gives you strong immunity against uh, B and T cell or with B and T cells. Sadly, the vaccine didn't do that. But he, Dr. Bill, the world's doctor, the biggest contributor to the World Health Organization, literally said Omicron acts like a vaccine. Happy to hear that. I have a great vaccination in my blood, uh, even though I'm disappointed it was probably some kind of bioweapon with some fucker making something that irritates me a lot that I have that in my body. Uh, but otherwise, we're good and we'll be fine. Thanks to Zverdo Kit. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it helped, but I felt... Uh, pretty decent i worked throughout the whole thing it was ivermectin uh budesonide and zinc uh came in a blister pack i got 50 of them i've given them to a lot of my friends and we're all still here well again uh adam thank you so much for being with us today thank you jack and thank you for for what you're doing and and uh for jumping on board with value for value and for letting me uh interact with your tribe here it's good to see everybody this has been another episode of the Bitcoin Breakout. To subscribe and learn more, please visit thebitcoinbreakout.com.